It's an early autumn evening in Brooklyn, 2018, and I'm walking home from my studio when I run into a friend I haven't seen in ages. Whether she really hasn't aged a day or I'm just blinded by that unique sort of love we feel for the people who helped us survive high school, I can't say, but I'm just so happy to see her. We hug, exchange questions about tidbits we've gathered from Instagram posts, and then you know how it is. She's late for something, and I've got to drop by the co-op before it closes to pick up some whatever chard is. But let's grab a drink and catch up, she says. For real, though, it's been way too long. When we're kids, we don't need an excuse to spend time together. We just call each other up and say, hey, do you want to come over? And of course we want to come over. We're friends. We like each other. People are made to be together. But at some point during the aging process, asking someone to be near you just because you enjoy their company becomes unthinkable. It simply isn't done. When was the last time you called someone up and said, hey, do you want to hang out? By the time we reach adulthood, we've learned to mask our obvious affection for one another in the flimsiest of excuses. You want to come over and watch the game, or the Game of Thrones, or some mind-meltingly gross reality show? Or else we spend all day in the kitchen concocting some elaborate meal because friends are coming over for dinner, but we're running behind schedule and scrambling to get all the dishes out, and we're barely going to talk to those friends. And in New York, where I used to live and where my buddy Alba... Hi, Alba. Hi. Hi from New York. Where you still live. Fact. No one really has enough room to entertain anyway, and bars serve as the city's communal living rooms. People will literally spend $68 on $12 of alcohol just to avoid admitting how much they like each other. It's madness, of course, but whatever works. People are made to be together. Except, at the moment of this particular serendipitous sidewalk encounter, the love of my life happens to be one month sober. Believe me when I tell you that every day since has been better than every day before, and if you or someone you love is struggling with addiction, I sincerely hope that recovery, with all its attendant relief and possibility, is in your very near future. But I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Sobriety comes with challenges. For example, yes, we miss you. We want to get together, but we don't want to do the thing adults do to facilitate togetherness. We can't go grab a drink with you. How do you feel about squeezing into our 400-square-foot studio apartment? Can we interest you in a La Croix? One of the reasons programs like AA work, not for everyone, of course, but for a lot of people, is that they don't simply ask you to abstain from something pleasurable and suffer in its absence. They replace alcohol or whatever your thing is with community, with support, care, friendship, with all the things that all of us muddling through this alienating and isolated modern life are jonesing for. For those of us adjacent to addiction, it's a little trickier. We don't get that community of instant friends, and we need to find a way to support the people we love without isolating ourselves from the rest of our social circles. So, it was around this time that I became obsessed with board games. We were already casual gamers, but I started learning about and buying games with a convert's zeal because I recognized in them an alternate way to organize a social life, a non-alcoholic excuse to bring people around. I became convinced that for each of my friends, there was a game that would make them want to keep spending time with me even if I didn't go out drinking anymore. I just needed to find the right ones. Of course, I ended up with way too many games. I was massively overcompensating. But, you know, it kind of worked. We started hosting long, laughter-filled game nights where no one seemed to really mind that they weren't holding a drink. You know the show's subtitle, Dispatches from the Gaming Life? That's what I'm talking about. That's the life we were building, slowly but steadily. We were getting there. It was nice. It's early spring, 2023, and I am scrambling for any excuse I can find to miss my flight to Las Vegas. The pandemic has come and not really gone. Everyone I know and love has gotten supremely weird. 
And I'm facing mounting evidence that I too may not be the normie I once was. Complicating matters. I've moved across the country to a town where I don't know anyone, where I spend all day working from home alone, and I can tell when I try to banter with a barista or grocery store clerk that my social muscles have atrophied. I'm on my way to Dice Tower West alone, and the thought of spending four days trying to act normal for strangers is terrifying. But no excuse presents itself, and I find myself in the open gaming hall at the Rio, and honestly, it's okay. I join tables with Players Wanted signs, and it's always a little awkward at first because they've also just done a pandemic, but I remember I'm pretty easy to get along with, and I put people at ease and we have a nice time. Actually, I'm having a blast. I am meeting such lovely, strange people and learning so many cool, strange games. Oh, that's right. It's all coming back to me. This is the gaming life. Making friends of strangers, being together, letting yourself play. It rules. I see a couple in the hot games room struggling with the rulebook for Wayfarers of the South Tigris and Approach. I've played this game once, and the rules are a bear. Want some help? They do. I quickly realize that I've played this game once, and the (laughs) rules are a bear. My protégés look bewildered. This may have been a mistake. (laughs) It's at this moment that my future friend Sam... Hi, Sam. Hello. Walks by and sees me struggling with the rulebook for Wayfarers of the South Tigris. The look on your face, it was like you were begging for help. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I'm so I'm so glad to have outside commentary on this story. <laughs> I was. I was. I was in so far over my head. I was like, this man needs me. <laughs> in my memory, and you can corroborate or contest this, neither of us had a great handle on the game, but we figure it out. We teach our new friends, and actually, we have so much fun. The most confused player, who insists each turn that she has no idea what she's doing, (laughs) yeah, absolutely obliterates the rest of us. Yeah. Wasn't even close. It was not even close. We laugh our asses off and reconstitute this exact group several times over the next couple days. A few weeks later, Sam and I are chatting on Instagram, and he informs me that he's sold his copy of Wayfarers of the South Tigris. I am deeply, personally offended. It's as though he tells me he hates our wedding song. (laughs) But that's our game, I say. We had so much fun. We did, but it's still a bit dry and themeless for Sam and his friends, so he let it go. I can't be too upset, really, because over the coming weeks, I'll have this experience several times. It happens after every con, honestly. A game I learned there and adored and thought would be perfect for my friends or family or partner. It goes over kind of fine when I get it home. I thought it was the game making me smile, but I was just in a really good mood. I was making friends. I was letting myself play. I was living the gaming life, and every game was delicious. It's late November. Alba and I are editing one another's lists of games to bring home for the holidays. That one's fun for gamers, I say, but a little gamerish for normies. (laughs) My in-laws found this one's cover unappealing, she tells me. (laughs) This is a tricky business, like picking out the music for a road trip. We're trying to curate particular experiences for the people we love, and we've learned from trial and error that the specific game we choose is a pretty small factor in whether or not it works. The other variables, like whether people are tired or stressed or distracted or bickering over some ancient slight, are beyond our control. But we can't help thinking there's a perfect game out there, one that will pull people in from wherever they're at and remind them of the things we all used to know, that we like each other, that we should let ourselves play, that people are made to be together. Does such a game exist? I don't know, man. 
Ask me at the end of this episode of the Punchboard Cathedral podcast where we are discussing games that always hit. <laughs> This international invitational is my Ameritrash amiga, Alba. <laughs> uh, hi. How's it going, bud? Unexpected intro. And calling in from Vancouver, Canada, a.k.a. the 51st state after the U.S. runs out of water, is our good friend and first ever guest, Sam. Oh, God. Welcome, my friend. Thank you for joining us. First of all, glad to be here. Super excited for this podcast. Second of all, you take Quebec first because nobody wants them. <laughs> wow, 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 wow. I don't want to get involved in this internecine fighting. You decide what order. You open the door. This is your fault. They're the just only saying. province that wants to leave Canada, so you might as well just take them. Yeah, I, I don't think they want to come to America, though. That's not my, uh, that's not my impression. Montreal, you will be a jewel in our crown. Welcome. Come on over. <laughs> I'm, I'm happy to be a spoonful of maple syrup in this podcast. <laughs> we are happy to have you sweetening the mix. Um, I feel like you two may not know that you have something in common, which is that you are both people who were not really given a choice about whether or not you wanted to be friends with me. <laughs> wow. I feel like I approached both of you and was like, hi, I'm Kenan. I'm your new friend. And you were like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, yeah. And, and Sam, you were like, I feel like you're a stranger at a con. And Alba, you were like, I feel like you're a stranger on the internet. And I was like, I know it might seem that way, but actually we're tight. We're really close. I, is, I feel like we're that's not now. how it happens in my head, but maybe it did. I mean, maybe we both oh, have oh, th thought we were the person ingratiating when you know ourselves to the other person. <laughs> well, for me, he um, he said I'm I'm a bit of an acquired taste, and I said no, you're fine. And after that, I couldn't get rid of him. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, did I really say that to you? That's so funny. What an awkward thing to say. This is what I'm talking about. I was so weird. I was I was really bad at socializing. Also, uh, you saying you're fine to me like that's a challenge. That's like oh boy, I, I got to win this person over. <laughs> And, and, and then, you know, some months later, I'm like, Sam, you accept all this friend request? We're, we're all friends now. That's, that's pretty much yeah. actually what happened. May the circle be unbroken. Love it. Okay, Sam, you have a strong board game collection. You have strong board game opinions, but you also have a private account. Folks may not know you as well as we do. So to help the listeners get to know you better... Alva has devised an icebreaker for us. Oh. Icebreaker, torture, game, we'll see. Ooh. So it's called bling bin or borrow mm. and basically what it means is i'm going to present you with three games and you can't you have you can't keep them all so you have to like get rid of oh, one no. forever one you get to keep you can bling it out you can do whatever you want it's yours forever and then the other one is borrow which means you don't get to keep it in your collection but you can keep playing it in this life you just have to play it at other people's houses or at you know game stores or whatever so there's no so, limit to how much i can borrow this <laughs> correct there's no limit to how much you can borrow it but you don't get to keep it okay so it's like you know you have to be on other people's schedules other people and you don't get to bling it out no no right? and you don't get to bling get it, to, it like, out it's like you, you just to, get right? to oh. yeah exactly uh, you know how I should love doing that. So, for example, you would have to play like someone's old twenty-year-old version of Castles of Burgundy. Oh. Right? You couldn't. You couldn't have so, acrylic this, this, tiles. It's no, there's no right. point in even playing at that point. <laughs> it's like he knows how to push our buttons. He does. He knows. He knows. Um, so, bling bin or borrow. Okay, here's your three games. Okay. Lorcana, Kemet. Kemet, yeah. Kemet or Tidal Blades. <sighs> 
Title Blades, Kemet, Lorcana. Which one do you bling? Which one do you bin? Which one do you borrow? Dear listener, I wish you could see the look on Sam's face as, as each of these was named. <laughs> For context, Kemet is my favorite game of all time. Lorcana is my most played game this year, and it's not even close. It's been out for three months. It's my most played game this year. Oh my god, and Title Blades has my favorite art of any board game, so this is a very difficult choice. See, did I know or did I know? <laughs> okay. I would I can't but then I would never win. Oh no. Okay, I have to keep Lorcana because if I don't keep it, I would never win a game ever again. Oh, because you'd have to use someone else's pre made deck? Yeah, and I would get just get crushed. Oh. And I can't have that. See, I didn't know how it worked. So I would have to keep Lorcana. The deck building you do before a game of Lorcana, like Magic the Gathering, that's key to winning. The deck construction is huge. Okay. Yeah. And I play in a league, and every week my deck changes and evolves, and so do the people I play against. So it's a big part of the fun. Wow. So I have to keep Lorcana. Okay. Uh, and to bin, it hurts to say it. It hurts <laughs> to say it, but I would have to bin Title Blades. Oh. oh. Because wow. even though I love the game, uh, Kemet, I love so much more. I understand. Oh, that, that was so... It's like you made me choose between my children. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I wanted I wanted to make it hard. I wanted it to be a challenge. But we've just learned so much about you. And are we talking about Kemet Blood and Sand? Yeah, Blood and Sand. Did you bling it out? I, yeah. I guess so. I mean, I went all in on the Kickstarter, which is, I guess, the equivalent. Definitely the equivalent. <laughs> oh, you're borrowing my crappy, incomplete version of Kemet. Yes, that's oh, it. Oh, it hurts so bad. I, I, bring my, I bring my stretch goalless <laughs> version of Kemet to Dice Tower West this year, and you play it with me, and you're like, this is fine. This is <laughs> this is great. I still love this I would game. still have a great time, but it would... <laughs> I would be dying on the inside. <laughs> well, good. I'm so glad we brought you to that place. And now you're in an excellent spot to begin the podcast. <laughs> okay. That's great. We have so much to discuss today, but we have to start with some loose threads. First of all, we just released the show to the world a couple days ago, and we are totally overwhelmed by the response. Thank you so much Woo-hoo! to everyone who shared and posted about it. Everyone who's messaged us. We adore you guys. We are so happy folks are enjoying it. We noticed some ratings are starting to pop up on the various pod apps, and that really helps new people find us. So thank you to those enterprising individuals. And if you have a minute to rate and review us wherever you pod, we'd really appreciate it. Secondly, our friend PJ has written in to clarify that he thinks Stool Pigeon is an excellent game, despite being forced to play it two dozen times in a row. <laughs> and if you want to learn more, he's got an interview with the designer over on his excellent podcast, Ooh. which is called Meeple to Meeple. Awesome. Lastly, Alva, it has been a while since we recorded episode three. Yes. Have you had a chance to play Dune Imperium? Oh, yeah. I want to know this, too. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Um, I forgot we haven't talked about that on the podcast yet. I've played it twice. So so let me me give you the the deets. So I played it twice. I played solo first. Mm -hmm. As you do. And then I played a two-player game with my husband. Mm -hmm. So in terms of the solo game, I did like it. I didn't really like it. I did use the app that allows you to to kind of speed up the process of handling the Automa portion of of the game. And it's definitely very helpful because there's just like kind of a lot to, I don't know, administrate. It's like, it doesn't seem like that much, but when you're kind of flipping these different cards to decide like what's going to happen next, it's super easy, at least in my experience, to kind of forget did I flip the one on the left or did I flip the one on the right? Like, where am I in the turn order? That was really tricky for me. Mm -hmm. But I did like the gameplay. I was hesitant about whether I would play it solo more in the future because I did think, like, the puzzle was good. But then I was also like, oh, I don't know. Like, even with the app, there were many times during my playthrough where I was like, oh, 
crap, I definitely messed up that last turn. I, I shouldn't have gone there because actually it was like this Automa's turn because you actually have to manage two of them um, in addition to your own playthrough. Yeah. So yeah, so that was like kind of tricky and I was just like, I like this, but I wish that it was like slightly less administrative so I could focus more on whether I'm like messing up or not. <laughs> But then we played the two player and and that was better for sure. And um, I enjoyed it. We're going to go again. We're going to play it again to decide if it's like a keeper or not. The artwork is still like such a bummer to me. <laughs> but we we had a we had a good time. I think that we were just starting to kind of or he was because I, I felt a little more confidence than I since I had already played a game myself of like kind of understanding the tracks and cause you know, you're moving up these, these sort of like tech tracks, I guess you want to call them. And you're, there's like the combat in the middle that you do. And none of it is particularly complicated, um, which is the part of the game that I do really like is that you're just sort of able to jump in there without too much figuring out complex Euro gamey stuff. You find the game as you're going, of course. I, I couldn't tell how much he enjoyed it. He said, he was like, yeah, yeah, I want to try again. We should play again. But I couldn't, couldn't tell. And so I think that colored my experience too. I feel like you're trying to avoid saying that you thought this was just all right. And it didn't really, that it didn't live up to the, the hype that we had all given you. I think it didn't live up to the hype. No. Yeah. I mean, it's so many people's favorite game. Yeah. So I was really expecting something different than I think I experienced, but I don't know. Maybe we just aren't the right audience for it. Uh I also think the game plays best at three to four rather than Uh one and two. My favorite part of this game, uh, there's so much of it I love, but Mm -hmm. the reason I love playing it at higher player counts is because there's so much tension each turn Mm -hmm. and points are so Mm -hmm. scarce. You're clawing for each point. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. when it's like near the end of the game, three people are at like eight or nine points. Like anytime someone could push you to end game. And you're constantly battling with, do I, am I trying to be greedy for more points to maybe break a tiebreaker? Do I rush the end of the game now? Um, can I win this combat? He's holding three uh, intrigue cards. What does he have? It could be anything. They break the entire game, right? That tension I feel like is lost in the solo mode. Um, and you're left with the puzzle, which the puzzle is really good. But without the other human tension, it doesn't feel as good. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. I totally agree. I, I do feel that tension at two players, though. I actually haven't played it with more than two players, so it might be better. One concrete thing that I think I didn't like, I really like deck building. Yeah. And I think that the deck building aspect of it is... It's barely there. It's not really there. Yeah. It's kind of a bummer. And I'm not even familiar with the IP like that. Like, I'm not coming into it as like a fan of Dune or anything. But because of it, you go to the game and you see that there's different factions. You're like, oh okay, well, there's different named cards and different factions and there's faction tracks. Maybe it's important for me to kind of focus on these cards and think about like how they play with the rest of the board. And I guess my experience, at least after the first two games of it, was that I don't know that that really mattered. I mean, it didn't feel like there was that much to synergize in terms of the cards to to say like, oh, I'm really going to go the Bene Gesserit way or I'm really going to go test me on the names. But <laughs> you know what I mean? And the card market in the base game does not refresh very quickly. The cards just stay out there all game. Not right? at all. It refreshes very yeah. few times. That, yeah. That's a problem they, they sort of fixed with expansions uh, um, because it's a common criticism from the game. Mm-hmm. I don't want to tell you go buy the expansion and then tell me you like the game. If, you know, if the base game doesn't do it for right, you, then right, right, you're right, fine right, right. there. No, the expansions are good, though. They added um, 
And this is something you can house rule because I play it in every version of this game, whether I'm playing with the expansions or not, is that at the end of each round, you clear the two cards closest to the deck mm-hmm. to keep the river flowing. And it's just so much better that way. Yeah. Already off the bat, just hearing that would be a big change because it refreshes so few times. Deck building just didn't feel really impactful. It, like you buy one card every couple rounds, maybe, mm-hmm. um, because you don't want to clog your deck right. with random things either because it affects where you can put your workers. Mm-hmm. But I feel like it's a lot better with the expansion i consider dune i only own the one expansion rise of vix i didn't buy the second one i don't feel like you need both i think one or the other is fine but for me base game dune if i were to like give it a number i would say it's a eight out of ten it's a it's a really good game but then mm. once i put rise of vix in it it shot up to like a nine out of ten mm. nine and a half mm. i'll probably keep the game forever <laughs> it's unfortunate that you know we have to wait for expansion sometimes to patch a game like that but when it does make it significantly better uh I don't feel too bad about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So this is the thing we talk about. This like modern age of hobby games. The games aren't done when we buy them. They kind of can't be. Like the games that those of us in North America grew up playing, admittedly, they weren't very good, but they'd been like refined over generations, literally, to be what they were. And now like it doesn't matter how many play tests you do. You, you don't really know what the like flaws are in a game, what the um, you know tricks people are going to discover, ways to game the system until it is pressure tested by like the thousands and thousands of people who are going to play it once it reaches the market. And so it makes sense to me, even though it's sort of frustrating because it's confusing to explain to people like how to have the best experience of a game. It makes sense that we get these like expansions or second editions or whatever that adjust for that and that respond to the pressure testing. But that brings us to... Dune Imperium Uprising. Oh, oh my God. This is the sound which, of me hitting my head against the wall. Uh, <laughs> which feels incredibly obnoxious. Like, so obnoxious. hey, you all bought this game that we did our best on, but there were some problems. And then you all bought this expansion that fixed those problems. And then maybe you bought another expansion. And like three weeks later, <laughs> here's a game that's basically the same game, like slightly more refined through all that other stuff in the garbage. And the mental gymnastics people will put themselves through to convince themselves that this is a good buy. Like if if you just love Dune and you want everything, that's totally fine. Like you do you. But yeah. there, there are people who will be like, well, I have everything for Dune, so I'm going to buy this. So if I just want to play the base game, I could just play this. You own just the base game. Just take it out of the box. You don't have to buy a separate game for that. Right. You can admit you just want everything. That's okay. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know what my you know what my biggest beef with this too is. I mean, everything you said already, I agree with 100%. But then also, they didn't even change the board. I was so oh my God. mad they didn't even change the board. I, I can't believe it. It like how do you keep it that ugly? It's still so <laughs> ugly. Like why? It is, it is remarkable. <laughs> like scratching my eyes out anyway i think that this really (laughs) illustrates the problem right you're talking about it's like lots of people's favorite game and it's a game that uh lots of people wrote in to tell us always hits and it didn't hit for you like it doesn't sound like you hated it but you gotta know your audience yeah yeah it wasn't like it wasn't like this is amazing it was it was good i mean i i didn't think it was it wasn't a negative experience so if not even Dune Imperium, which like the people who love it <laughs> insist is the best game ever, if not even that is a like universal game, are there any? Let's discuss. Sam, we're gonna start with you. 
What's a game that, in your experience, always hits? I, I have quite a few of these, actually, because I play games with a lot of different kinds of groups. I teach games a lot. I go to um, community game days where I'll teach games to gamers and families and just people who are interested in games, things like that. Oh, that's awesome. And yeah, it's a good time. And one game that always hits no matter who I play it with or how many people I play it with is just one. Huh. It is probably my favorite party game. The variety is huge because you get so many cards with it. And the gameplay is ridiculously easy. You have a one word that you have to guess that you don't know. Everybody else writes a clue in secret. Then they compare their clues. If any are the same, they get erased. Then the clue guesser gets to look at what's left and they have just one guess to figure it out. What's fun about this game is when you're trying to work things out verbally, one time I had everybody pretty much uh, got their clues erased. The only two I had left were novel and head. Those were the two clues. I was like, hmm, I don't know any writers. So this is these are terrible clues. I don't read much. <laughs> but a head, a book, a novel is a book. A head is kind of like, you know, your face is on your... Is it Facebook? And I got it right. Wow. <laughs> what? I like, cannot believe you got that. <laughs> just working your way through it verbally, just verbalizing your thoughts, that stream of consciousness, and looking at people's faces, because when you start to get warmer, like their eyes will twitch a little bit, you know, they'll try to fight <laughs> off a smile. So you're like, okay, mm, I'll snake my way this way, I think. It's so much fun. Oh, wow. And I always go first as the clue giver, so I show them what the vibe is, what I'm okay. trying to do. Mm -hmm. You just get weird and hilarious clues. Like my dad will just put really out there stuff. <laughs> like <laughs> he put um, Midnight Sun as a clue for and it was some kind of American city like New York or something like that. And no one understood why. And it's because someone had once told him. Oh, because it's the city that never <laughs> sleeps. Yeah, basically. <laughs> wow, Kenan, you're on someone, his wavelength. <laughs> someone had told him that it's a city that never sleeps. So it's like it has a permanent night, which made my dad think of Sweden and the Midnight Sun. It was like a weird leap of logic. <laughs> no one got it. Not a single person understood. I love it. But like that kind of hilarity you get from this game. And it's so easy. <laughs> Anyone from any age can play it. The box says one to seven players, but I figured out a great life hack to make the players infinite. You just download a whiteboard app on your phone and then everybody can play. Yeah. Uh okay yeah, 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 cool yeah, yeah. it's yeah. so good sam i am really glad that i picked alternates in case you chose mine because you did <laughs> oh, <laughs> wow. it's incredible i think one thing that makes it so easy to bring out is that you don't have to be around a table everyone can just be sitting wherever they are so you don't have to be like everybody gather around we're doing an activity which sometimes is like super awkward mm -hmm. yeah and you also only need them to listen to one rule like you don't need them to pay attention you don't actually even need them to listen to a rule you can just give them the stuff and start playing and people will figure it out and like you're saying about the whiteboard app like you don't actually need to buy this game i mean buy it it's good it's a nice little package but like you can just play it with scraps of paper or with whiteboard you know whiteboard yeah. apps or anything it's it is so simple and so clever and it's very snackable. Mm. Yeah. I started this game with people where they're sort of like, oh, God, what what are we doing now? Like, this seems annoying. And then you do one round and everyone's like, let's do this again. Yeah. Let's do this again. <laughs> like, it's so quick and it's so fun. And that tension of trying to figure out whether your clue is too obvious or not, like so obvious yes. that someone else is going to have put it so it will get eliminated or not obvious enough that it will be a useful clue. Like, so sometimes you have the situation you were talking about where all you're left with are, are your dad's clues that no one else would ever think of <laughs> yeah. because they're like, <laughs> they don't totally apply. 
But sometimes you get this situation where you get 18 clues or seven or whatever, and they're all weird because no one wanted to put the obvious thing. Yeah. The word is chocolate and like someone could have put dessert or something or like milk, but nobody did because it was just like they're afraid it was too obvious. You only get like uh, Juliette Binoche, you know, as your clue. Yeah, I think it is so good. It's I've never great. played it, but but I you guys have sold me on it. And, you know, this is like kind of perfect timing, too, because, you know, going into the holidays and I feel like we're going to go home, various mm-hmm. ones of us and be around people, you know, gamers and non-gamers alike. And it's like you're always kind of looking for something that's going to like unite the group and mm-hmm. and have and just have fun, you know. And and um, I was recently kind of shopping around for things that I could bring home to introduce to to family. And I saw that on a bunch of lists and I just passed it over. I don't know. I was like, maybe this is not for us. But now that I'm hearing you to talk about it and you're so passionate about it, I'm like, oh, OK, <laughs> it has to go on the list. <laughs> I think you would like it. Yeah, it's so much fun. It looks entirely unremarkable. It really does. Yeah, it, it does. It does. It's just so good the the other thing about it that i think is great for anyone um there's some people in my family who whenever we're like let's play games are like okay i'm gonna go do something else because like games stress them out yeah and we have that too because it's cooperative and because technically there is a way for the group to win but i have never have you do you ever do that sam uh we keep score but do you like count how many you get right yeah but that's because we like to try to beat our own score oh okay yeah i've never done it and no one cares no one's like are we winning or losing you can take all of the like stress out of Right. You can also pair people up into teams. I had a relative who wasn't comfortable with their English, but they still wanted to play. Mm -hmm. So I paired Mm -hmm. them up with one of my siblings. They're bilingual. They could speak the same language. And they would just translate it into English and write the clue for them. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, Same thing with young kids. You could pair them up with their parents. I've done that, too. It's super accessible. That's awesome. Yeah. I love that. Alva, what have you got for us? Oh, I okay. So I have to say that I feel like this category is so not my category. And I'll tell you why. Okay. I I don't feel like there are a lot of games that I've been successful in introducing them to to multiple groups or multiple like that I could just mm. say like it always works. And there's yep. a couple of reasons for that. One is that I just I don't get to play a lot of games with not me. <laughs> I mean, I get to play some with my husband. That's like the person I, you know, the, my player too, as people say. But like, I don't often outside of the holidays and every once in a while when I can convince certain friends to like, you know, come over and play a game. I just don't get that opportunity. The one game that definitely comes to mind is Carcassonne. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've introduced that to family before and everyone enjoyed it. The reason that I feel kind of like mild about bringing it up is that it's a very enjoyable fun relaxing game but it's not it doesn't produce the kind of when I think of this topic and I think of like what you guys just talked about with just one it's like that's what I'm picturing in my mind and I just don't feel like there's a ton of stuff in my collection yet that has gone there that has been like this is a staple now we're always going to play this like our family at the holidays is always going to do this so like Carcassonne was nice and and everyone that I've introduced it to enjoys it and it's actually one of my husband and I's most played games because we can just you don't have to remember anything you can just jump right into Carcassonne Mm -hmm. the puzzle is the same and yet it changes every time it's like you know you know there's so many permutations it's not like you're like oh I've 
played Carcassonne to the end, I'll never have a unique play of it. But it's not the kind of thing where everyone goes home and is just like, that was so good, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. That was so good. Like, no, mm-hmm. you just are like, yeah, that was, that was, that was cute. I like that. That was really enjoyable. It was, it was like relaxing. We had a nice time. But yeah, but we weren't, it wasn't like, oh, it slaps. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, totally. Yeah, I, tell, I tell think, me what you think. Tell me what you think. I think Carcassonne's a great choice. I think you're right. It's not like everyone's laughing and shouting and high-fiving like maybe is going to happen in Just One. But Just One is also, in my opinion, not a gateway game. Mm. It's not a game that people play and then they're like, show me more strategy games because it's not a strategy game. Right, right, right. right. That is a good point. True. Carcassonne is a game. I just did this recently with, with some friends of ours who had never played any hobby games. And we showed them Carcassonne. I can't quite put it in the always hits category because half of the couple was like, uh, sort of stressed out by it. The other (laughs) half was like texting us for days afterwards being like, I want to rematch. I want to rematch. I'm going to get you next time. You know, it's also because like there's so many ways to ramp up or tone down the complexity of Carcassonne, even within the base box and then with all the expansions. Totally. It's interactive. It's not like you're talking about, you're talking at the table. It's not like a head down, um, like parallel play, multiplayer, solitaire game, but it's not a laugh out loud, shout and and cheer game either. It's like introducing people to the joys of like doing a puzzle together, like a little competitive. Totally. And that's its own kind of fun. And like Carcassonne is, is like this incredible way into it. I think there's a reason it's been around for like 24 years and people still play it so much. It's still getting like, expansions. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know yeah. what? That's so true. I guess I didn't, when I first thought of this topic, I really was in, imagining much more of, of the, the just one atmosphere, but yes, the reason I thought of it is actually for all the reasons you just described, it's like, that's why it, it is so good. And it is a perennial favorite for us is that it doesn't get old, even though it's so simple and you can change. So like you said, there's so many expansions you can mix in or not. And, and also, even on top of that, it's like you can be very like laissez-faire and just be like, I'm going to make my cute town, you know, do this mm-hmm. and, you know, worry about mm-hmm. the points or not worry about the points. Or you can do like my husband and I and just be like, oh, yeah, no, I'm going to block the shit out of you. <laughs> like, <laughs> like <the> bye bye. <laughs> like, I'm going to be carcassoning you until it hurts. <laughs> well, well, this episode just got its explicit tag. <laughs> <laughs> My bad. No, no, no. It's, it's all good. Uh, sorry. <clears throat> no, 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 Returning no, no, no. to decorum. T- totally okay. Um, <laughs> yeah. If people enjoy a competitive game, it can be viciously cruel, right? Oh, and yeah. it can be sort of anywhere between there, just depending on how people choose to play it. Yeah. So there you go. It's a good one. Get in the zone. The carcass zone. <laughs> the carcass zone. <laughs> okay. That you should apologize for. <laughs> <laughs> So, so what happens when I write my preambles at three in the morning is, in addition to them being incredibly long, is I forget to say why we're doing this episode, which is <laughs> holidays are coming up, right? As I said, and it's like this time when we're all sort of thinking about what are the games that we can use to introduce to our families to maybe cut through some of the tension of family gatherings, maybe cut through some of the boredom of family gatherings. But like, you know, you don't get... You don't get infinite tries. No, you don't. You sort of think like, oh, I've got a, I've got a bunch of days. I'm going home. Like, I don't have work. No one's got school. Like, I'm going to have time with my nephews, my nieces, whatever. And, and that time gets eaten up very quickly, right? By like 
tantrums and your parents don't know how to work their Roku and whatever. (laughs) Yeah. People need stress naps. And so you're just like, you want to like find that game that when you finally get everyone to sit down and play a game with you is going to be like, everyone's going to be like, oh yeah, this is, this is great. And I wanted to have Sam on, Sam, the minute we thought of this topic, I was like, well, that's for Sam. Um, And it's because whenever you uh, post a game to your stories that you're playing and I write to you and I'm like, like, how is it? How's this game? You always answer me with who the game is good for. I do. It's like, I think the first thing you're always thinking about. Yes. <laughs> I didn't Never, realize I do that. Yeah, it's very cool. You very often will say like, it's really good for my parents or like, it's good for people who are like this much into games, you know? And like, mm-hmm. it seems to me like you're always thinking about, I, I guess, because you do these game days and you do seem to game with your family a lot, like who the audience for a particular game is and like who it's going to hit with. Mm-hmm. So I was really curious to hear your thoughts on, you know, what kind of games we're, we're going to work across multiple audiences and uh, feel very validated that you stole my answer from me. (laughs) Um, But here's my alt. And I think it's sort of in the same realm of just one is timeline. Have any of you guys played timeline? Oh, Mm -mm. a good choice. No. What is it? Timeline is this little tin. There's a few different tins and you can buy any of them first and they can work as expansions to one another, but you can just get any one of them. Um, There are these little tins of cards and tiny little crappy quality cards that just have events on them. On one side, it's got an event, and on the other side, it's got the date of that event. So it'll be like the fall of Rome, and then it'll be a date. And I'm not going to say it because I think (laughs) you guys don't know when the fall of Rome Um, Or like the invention of the computer, or just like whatever. Um, And then so there's one that's just kind of general, and then there's other decks that are themed. There's like inventions or... um, I think there's a sports one. Oh, yeah, that would make sense. You get a card on your turn, and you put it down, and you've started creating a timeline. And then the next person gets a card, and they're like, okay, did the fall of Rome happen before or after the Big Bang? Okay, well, it happened after, so I put it to the right of the Big Bang. And then you get the sacking of the Library of Alexandria. And then you're like, oh, is that, is that before? That's before the fall of Rome, right? That's easy enough. And then you get the election of President Obama. And you're like, great, easy. That's all the way on the right. It's like, at first, it's incredibly easy. Right. But then, as you get more and more cards, you're like, I don't know. Was the invention? of the VCR before or after the first Macintosh? Like, uh. I like this game for, for a few reasons. One of them is that I generally dislike games that test knowledge of anything outside of the game. So like, I don't really like Scrabble, which I would say doesn't even test your vocabulary so much as your knowledge of words that only get used in Scrabble. Um, I don't like this kind of like you're being quizzed. Like, I just, I didn't like school that much when I was in it. I don't want to feel like I'm back in it. But this is very interesting You can just have the vaguest notion of when a thing happened and play. You don't have to know the exact date of something. Mm -hmm. And so everybody sort of has enough information about all of the cards to to make a guess, Mm -hmm. make an informed guess. And also, it's so easy when it starts out that it makes everyone feel good and no one feels like, oh, this game is too hard for me or I'm too stupid for it or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it gets harder and harder for everyone as it goes on and the timeline fills up and you have to do these sort of these events that are closer in time to one another. This one, you do have to be around a table. But again, like it's so simple. You don't have to do a big explanation. You can just put it out like on the coffee table while people are sitting around having their having their coffee after dinner or whatever. You don't even have to like ask everybody to play it. You can just start playing it with one other person and other people are going to be like, wait, I want to do one. Wait, give me a card and want to get into it. It's like very easy to pull people in. Like just one, it's sort of barely a game. There's like almost no (laughs) rules to it, Mm -hmm. but it is 
really fun. And the debates it spurs. The debates it spurs. <laughs> How could you think toothpaste was invented after this? <laughs> and if you have someone who's really knowledgeable about a subject, like my sister is, she's a professor and she's very knowledgeable about like certain fields. She will be like, well, okay, the date on the back of this card is acceptable, but like, maybe not, but like maybe not the best answer. Oh no. She's writing an email to the but publisher. I, yes, exactly. It's just yeah. an interesting for discussions. And you're like, well, that's so weird that I don't really know when that happened or like, mm-hmm. or somebody has knowledge that you don't have because something happened when they were a kid, you know? So just, did you know really they, cool. they've just started doing this game on the New York Times? Like, you know the New York Times games app? Yeah. This is now a game there. Oh, really? Yeah. You were describing it. I was like, oh, this is like in the New York Times app. Well, so what's probably great about that, and this is the one downside of Timeline, you can't play it and then play it immediately again because you know all the answers. Oh, okay. And you can play it once a year. Like, if you leave it at your parents' house and play it every every Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever you might happen to celebrate. So there's not that many cards then. You have to buy multiple decks. Oh. That's the other thing. There's not that many cards in one deck. If you buy a bunch of decks, and mix them together, it gets more replayable. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And it's cheap enough that that's not that big a deal to do that. Yeah, yeah but, but you think you would want like a like a big fat thing of cards so that like you could just keep yes. playing for a while, you know? Yeah. What I want is a is a Cards Against Humanity box that instead of having Cards Against Humanity in it has timeline. Timeline. Yeah, yeah. That, that makes sense. Like you would game. want that level of... Yeah. Totally. All right, Sam, you got one more for us? I have so many. <laughs> All right. <laughs> this one... I don't think it'll replace just one, but it's almost as good Mm. in the laughs it provides and the hysterics it leaves people in. And unlike just one, this one is just as fun to watch as it is to play. Mm. And that is Stay Cool. Oh, I don't know this. Stay Cool is a game about multitasking. So there's one person who's the active player. They'll have a set of dice in front of them that have letters on them. And they'll have a person on their left who has a card of questions and a person on the right that has a card of questions. They're going to, they're essentially interrogating you. They're going to ask you questions one after the other, and you have to answer as many as you can. The person on the left, you have to answer all of their questions verbally. The person on the right, you have to spell out your answers with the dice. All the answers for the questions on the right are three to four letter words, and they're generally easier questions. An example would be like, you hit a baseball with a blank. Like a bat, so you spell bat. Okay. Um, but the verbal ones are much more complicated. <laughs> are you allowed to just turn the dice to whatever size you want, or you're yes. rolling them and hoping the letters for bat comes up? You're not rolling them. You turn them to whatever size you want. And as soon as you answer a question, so as soon as I spell bat, the person's going to ask me the next question on the list, and there's somewhere around like mm. seven to ten questions on each card. Mm-hmm. Uh, the goal is to get as far as you can on the card, and your score will be however many questions you got far down on the card multiplied by the other one so if you only answer one card you're going to get zero points you have to do both oh wow at least to some degree Mm. and to add on to this you have Mm. a total of two minutes there's a sand timer and every 30 seconds it gets flipped over Mm. the questions you get asked are like really simple like one of the verbal questions is what's five doubled and then halved it's five but when you're on the timer your brain breaks you're like uh uh 12 15 i don't know (laughs) because you're also trying to spell the other one and if you don't answer the question they keep asking it over and over and over (laughs) it's because the goal is to stress you out that's already stressing me out (laughs) it's so much fun to watch people have a meltdown over just like 
really simple questions because when you're watching it's so simple it's so easy like ah it, it's nothing uh but when you're in it oh my god it's crazy it's just like i have 10 seconds i can't ah i can't think my brain is on fire what's going on oh man this sounds <laughs> it's great. a lot of fun i can't decide yeah i can't it decide and, yeah i'm like good. do i like the sound of this i'm not sure wait what's like your question maybe more fun to watch than to play <laughs> <laughs> for some people it is <laughs> like you take turns being the entertainment for the rest of the room <laughs> yeah. um, here's my question about it this sounds to me based on my own experience of aging like it would be increasingly difficult for people as they get older do you find that i haven't found that yet no i i haven't okay. played with like oh man i don't want to offend anybody here I, I haven't played with anyone over the age of 70 i'll put it that way <laughs> <laughs> so i have tested it with players who are 70 and under and it works great <laughs> are you trying to say you haven't played with any boomers is that what you're saying your word's not mine <laughs> <laughs> your thoughts and mine um, <laughs> Yeah, I find that um, transitioning from one thinking about one thing to thinking about another thing takes me longer and longer. What I what I found with the older folks, it's easier if they focus on one type of question at a time. Like I'll do three verbal ones and then I'll go to the written ones mm. uh, versus bouncing okay. back and forth. Okay. So you take it easy on them a little bit. <laughs> well, you're allowed to do that. It's up to you how you answer the questions. The goal is just to answer as many as you can okay. uh, from both cards. Okay. Um. I played with one person who, <laughs> they were so funny. They could only, they couldn't listen to both people at once. So he would listen to one person. And if the other person started talking, he would hold his hand out and just say, stop. <laughs> just shut <laughs> him up so he could focus on the other person. <laughs> See, that sounds like, that, so that is exactly what I was picturing in my mind when you were telling, like, describing this game was that I was just like oh god this 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 feels like every moment of my life like this feels of every like every moment of my life as a mom <laughs> it's just like me just being like stop stop give me a second okay what <laughs> you know what I mean like and I was just like ah oh, I don't know if I can do that in a game <laughs> so what I find appealing about this game just as you describe it is I feel like it's a game in which everybody else learns what it feels like to have ADHD oh man like, that's what it sounds like to me <laughs> like everyone is experiencing what what my head sounds like all the probably time. <laughs> like all, all these people yelling different things at you and feeling like like you can't focus on one thing because you have to focus on another thing. <laughs> see we're all already stressed <laughs> Um, I'll go like kind of lightning roundish for the rest of these. Okay. This one, like you can play with anybody. Cascadia. It's mm. unbelievable. It's a, such a nice lightweight, but not too lightweight tile laying game. You get, it, it's got beautiful animal themed artwork. Um, and it's the kind of game where it's casual and light enough where you can have a conversation while you're playing it. Mm -hmm. So you could play it over dinner or you could play it while you're discussing other things. So mm -hmm. the scoring could be, I, I don't find it confusing. Most, again, and no gamer will find it confusing. It's for young kids. It could be confusing. And that's why they actually have a family variant for scoring there that will mm -hmm. actually simplify that too. So mm -hmm. it can work for older folks too, if it, the scoring is too complicated for them. Cascadia hits all the time for a strategy game. And this one, I, I didn't want to put it on the list because I don't actually like this game, but it d literally hits every time. So I had to seven wonders architects. Uh, uh -huh. I do not see the appeal in this game. It, I think it I is so agree. boring. I do too. 
every time I brought it out, people are like, this is the best game I've ever played. And this mm. is mostly with like non-gamers or newer gamers, right? They're just, their minds are blown and they want to get into the hobby more. I can't undermine the good the game is doing, but I just don't like it. <laughs> I'm with you. I've only played it with gamers, but a lot of people really like it. And I was kind of like, uh, I mean, I'll, you, you already probably know this about me if you've been listening at, at all to the podcast. Whenever someone invites me to, the, to a game, I'm like, yes, yes, yes. So I've been invited to play many Seven Wonders Architects games, and I've played it every time, even though I'm kind of like, I don't really get what the game is here because it just feels very like not much of a game. But, you know, I don't know. People love it. You're kind of right. How do you both feel about Seven Wonders original? I like it a lot more. I definitely think right. it's more of a game for sure. Like, I think yeah. that there's actually a game there. There's more interesting decisions. Yeah, there's more interesting decisions. Actually, you when you taught it to us at Gen Con, Kenan, like, we had a great time with it. And it, it was like, that was actually the perfect setting where it was like, if somebody, you know, had the game and they were like, we have this many players, like, it, it's great for a big group. There are games that are perfect for conventions and Seven Wonders is one of them because it is a little, it's a, it's a little much to teach. Nothing in it is complicated, but there's a lot, a bunch of tiny little systems in mm -hmm. it, right? Yeah. Each one individually to learn, but you got to sit through it all. And it doesn't really make sense until you start playing. You're mm -hmm. like, why is the scoring for science so weird? Oh, and you start playing. You're like, oh, okay, I'm balancing these different scoring incentives against each other. Mm -hmm. So it is perfect for a convention where you've got too many people for, for like a, a four player game and everybody is knows games and everybody is sort of familiar with these systems and can yeah. imbibe them pretty quickly and play. It's like the perfect game for that setting. And you're like, oh, I this agree. is so much fun. And you take it home and you're like, ah, this is a perfect game for a convention, right? It's yeah. like, it's harder to get to the table at home, I think. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you. Okay, we're going to inaugurate a new segment Ooh. right now. It's called Know You're Wrong, <laughs> in which our guest gets to tell us what we've been wrong about in the episodes oh, to date. Oh my God. Oh, this you is just, for me. I, I already know. I already know where this is going. Sam and I already chatted <laughs> a little bit about this. As soon as I heard the words out of Alba's mouth, I immediately texted her saying, how can a person exist who doesn't like the art of Everdell. <laughs> I, I thought, I truly thought it was like universally loved. I've never met anyone or heard of anyone. Who, I have to say, like, I feel like because of this podcast, I'm really coming across, like I'm just thinking back to all of the comments of all the games and I'm always like, oh, I didn't like that. Oh, that was like, Dune, uh, the art in Everdell. It's like, I'm just offending everyone left and right with my board game um, aesthetic or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Well, all I can say in my defense is that I don't think that the art is objectively bad, as in, like, I don't think it's poor artwork. I just don't feel like it speaks to me. That's all I you, can say. You just you just hate joy. Right? <laughs> I, just, That's the only I just hate cuddly animals. You're and not a red joy wolf fan, is what I'm getting. And sun dappled, yeah, exactly. It's sun dappled <laughs> landscapes. I just, I'm just a hater. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, we, we are sorry that uh, board games are too beautiful for you these days. That sounds like it must be really hard for you. It's really hard for me, guys. It's really hard for it's me. It's okay. I think, I think I'm going to get it worse than you, uh, you in, man. This, in this round. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about Larkana. Yes, I knew that. I knew that was the next one. <laughs> How could you not think that people have uh, like an uh, emotional connection to the IP? It's Disney. Like I get that there's a lot of it, but... 
they focused right. the they focused the first set very heavily on the thing the movies that people were nostalgic for. So Aladdin, um, Sword in the Stone, Ooh. the one with the queen that I'm forgetting, Cinderella. <laughs> like I, except for Winnie the Pooh, <laughs> which came out in the second set, they like hit all the really big nostalgic ones in the first mm. one. For me, mm. Aladdin mm. is my favorite Disney movie, so I have a lot of nostalgia okay. for that. It's the only kind of brown representation we got in Disney <laughs> until yeah. like the Prince and the mm-hmm. Frog. Yeah, until like until like four <laughs> yeah. years ago. Yeah, you know what's so funny? Yeah. When I was young, when Aladdin came out, I, I guess I got, probably was about 12-ish, I would get stopped by like little kids all the time and they would be like, Jasmine, Jasmine. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> I, I have like a weird relationship to that, to that film too. <laughs> Did you feel like a princess? I, I think I was just sort of like, what is happening? Like, is, But you know what? I think it's exactly like it's, you were you're right. It was like the first film that like really featured any kind of brown person, even if the even if people couldn't distinguish between brown people. It was sort of like, oh, you kind of look like that girl in that in the, you know, the, the new Disney princess. <laughs> I will have you know, the Sultan looks exactly like my dad. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome did kids walk up to him and say sultan <laughs> that would have been amazing no. i wish oh man oh i should get him to dress like that for halloween next year yes i love it but yes you're wrong about awesome. that and you weren't wrong about this but i just want to make fun of you for it sure. for not buying the pretty version of castles of burgundy how, how could you not jump on that like come on that's like not buying apple stock 20 years ago you should have just done it <laughs> Dang. Yeah. I didn't do that either. In, Same. In fairness, 20 years ago, I didn't even have enough money to buy a board game. I, there, was no, there was no buying Apple stock. Oh, man. All right. Yeah. Well, I think we deserved all of that. Definitely we deserved um, it. Thank you for letting me have this moment. <laughs> <laughs> I was burning with rage. I think the audience is definitely standing up and cheering for you on all of those right now. We honestly, like, this show needed an ombudsman. Yeah. Like, all the theoretically represents the people, but obviously she doesn't. She's such a hater. <laughs> not with those artistic tastes. We needed someone to come in and give us a lot of shit for not being interested in Disney Lorcana. So it's a good game, though? You, you, I mean, you must oh, be. It's your most played game. I, I should have actually explained that. It is actually a good game. Okay. It takes all the things I like about Magic and the things I liked about Yu-Gi-Oh! and puts them together into a game with an IP that I connect with a lot. <laughs> I, <laughs> Can't take that away from me. You're saying you have a strong emotional connection to whatever. <laughs> no, to Aladdin and Mulan and to a lesser extent, Sebastian. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, I can't argue. They do these really cool things where they'll put the characters in kind of like a what if um, scenario. Like there's um, King of the Thieves Aladdin. So he's like in the King of the Thieves drip. He's got like this awesome sword. He's leading an army. Mm. <laughs> if you watched Moana, Tamata the big crab Mm -hmm. there's a version of him as a preteen so he's got like little barnacles for stubble (laughs) and he's like looking in the mirror trying to shave it okay like the newest gaston is what if gaston went to college and was an engineer and he like tinkers (laughs) so he's not a moron oh my god oh i don't know but he's a brute i absolutely knew that guy in college (laughs) where it was like i don't care that you're getting good grades in your engineering classes you're still a dope you know (laughs) all right uh i have just got to press the fanfare button on the all the sound board here (laughs) best soundboard ever it is time for the rabble round hear ye hear ye gather round for this week's question what game always hits when you get it to the table yes all right so here's what we have 
Arc Nova, Athenium, Azul from non spelt. Yeah, so from Melanie. I think this is right. I think Azul probably pretty much always hits. I've introduced it to people who aren't even big gamers and they get the puzzle, they like the puzzle. The only thing is that one time I introduced it to a couple who I didn't realize was like in the last weeks of their relationship. <laughs> they were like, Well, you can't introduce games to anyone like that. Well, it's out of the game. I didn't know until they were like being so mean to each other while playing Azul and like getting really mad at each other. And I was like, what is happening? I've never gotten this experience from this game before. Like, did I just create, you know, like relationship discord? I, I didn't. I just stepped into the middle of it. But I like, I now am a afraid to teach Azul to anybody because I had this like <laughs> just horrifying experience of watching a relationship <laughs> melt down before my eyes because I asked like hey guys let's play Azul over dinner oh wow so note to self don't bring that to any couples ever <laughs> Brass Birmingham between two castles of Mad King Ludwig Beyond the Sun Blood on the Clock Tower Calico this is K Plays Games whose comment was Calico heart eyes <laughs> I feel like this is empirically not a game that always hits I know so many people who hate it but K I am with you I am one of these people I've never played it I love this game I think it is so much better than Cascadia it is like stressful and tense and and you you sow the seeds of your own doom at the beginning of the game and then the walls just close in on you as it goes and then you're like ah, gotta try again because I messed up I think it's great but it is like not everybody enjoys that kind of stress and self-loathing that it brings out so yeah it's interesting that the reasons you like it are the reasons I hate it yes. <laughs> for the exact same reasons I can't stand that game I, I, I heard myself I was like I'm not really making a great pitch for this game but I think it's awesome <laughs> Uh, Dana said Castles of Burgundy. Castles of Burgundy. <laughs> I agree. Oh. Specifically the pretty version. Yeah. I cannot tell you how many people will stop at my table and just oh, look sure. at the game because it's so beautiful. Oh, I have no doubt. It's gorgeous. And also the game's just amazing, but that's that's an aside. <laughs> look, I see the appeal of the whole thing, but it just, it seems like you're getting like plastic castle miniatures for what's an abstract strategy game. And it, it seems like a psychic disconnect for me, but I... There's a, there's a version about the minis. It's not the one I bought, but there's a version without the minis. There's, there's a version for peasants, if you want the peasant version. Hey, to be fair, I didn't buy the minis for the tiles. I, I bought the acrylic, acrylic ones because they look way better they than the minis, I think. They um, but also, the those minis, the train pack, are the exact same cost of my entire pledge. It was just too much. Wow. Yeah, that's crazy. <sighs> Okay, Clank. Yeah, this is Mayel again. She says, again, this will be my answer 99% of the time. <laughs> Talked about this last week. <laughs> Understandable. My experience is that this is correct. I have never had anyone not like Clank. And I've played it with people who generally, like, when I pull out games, are like, oh, God, do we have to? And I'm like, try this one. And, and people like Clank. The teach is a little tricky for non-gamers, but it's very smooth when you get into it. And it, I, I, don't, I don't know. I've never, I've never had Clank fail. Well, okay. Creature Comforts. Oh, Creature Comforts. Creature Comforts is a really good choice. I didn't put it on my own list because I think it's a little too heavy for non-gamers. It's not really an intro game. Okay. But as an intro, or rather a lightweight worker placement, a family-friendly worker placement, it's so good. One of the things that it does really well is 
if you put your worker on a spot where you don't get anything, which can happen because it involves dice rolling, you get a lesson learned counter, which lets you modify dice rolls in future turns. Mm. So it doesn't feel that detrimental because then you can have riskier turns in the future and get better things. Mm. And it's just got really nice, cozy, welcoming art. I would say it's always hit whenever I table it, but I intentionally table with people who aren't brand new gamers. Yeah, and people who aren't Alba who hate cozy brandy <laughs> art. Okay, I'm just I'm not you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna dwell. I'm gonna move on. Okay, creature comforts, <laughs> Dixit, Everdell. Just bear with me, please. That's that's our buddy Diogo. I have had very good luck with Everdell. Well, you haven't met me. I understand <laughs> that the art is unappealing to one out of every six million people, but it's, it's a kind of like medium worker placement game, right? It's, it's, it is, yeah. But I think because it's so thematic, people can get their head around the rules and get into like a heavier game than they would otherwise play. So I think it's a good way to get people, um, if they're interested, I'm not, not saying to like foist heavy games on people who don't want them, but it's like a good way to pull people into sort of a more complex uh, worker placement tableau building kind of jam. My mother has gone on record to say, and I quote, I hate this game. And that makes me real <laughs> sad. My buddy! Hey. My buddy! <laughs> you haven't played it! And me. <laughs> you guys will get a log. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Five Towers, which I feel like we've been hearing a lot about lately in this card game. That yeah. was also Diogo. For Sale, also a card game. Great Western Trail, Heat Pedal to the Metal. That one is a good choice. That one is surprisingly accessible. The teach is simple enough because you have a hand of seven cards. You're always going to have seven. You play cards equal to your gear, so one to four. It's always that exact number, never more, never less. And your car moves the numbers that you play. You just add them up, and that's how much your car moves. Any extra rules above that, when I'm teaching the game, I just handle it because it simplifies the whole thing for everybody else. Mm -hmm. So it makes the game shockingly accessible. I have only taught this game to two people so far, but like, I'm hoping that TJ and Meeple Versus, who, who chose this one, uh, TJ said, uh, it's been a hit every time, both physically and digitally. I'm hoping they're right. Like, this is the next one I'm going to try because it's actually a pretty crunchy little game. But I think, again, it's so thematic that like, you can get your head around the rules okay it's a wonderful world king of tokyo lords of las vegas no thanks obsession so i used to think obsession was it was an always hit kind of game and um and then at dice tower west i saw some people with a teacher wanted sign up who were learning obsession they looked miserable like the way <laughs> sam said that i looked trying to figure <laughs> out wayfarers of the south tigris and i came over and i was like I got you guys. Don't worry about this. I can show this to you. It's, it's really not that complicated. You're going to love it. This game is so cool. And I was like, all right, so Jane Austen fans, we got any Jane Austen fans, like blank stares. <laughs> like, mm -hmm. okay, Downton Abbey, blank stares. And I was like, <laughs> oh, uh, costume dramas, period, but nothing. Bridgerton. I, you know what? I was not aware of the existence of Bridgerton at the time because I'm a boy. But I, I was like... <laughs> Gender <-less>. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, but, like, nothing. They There was no, like... No one had was familiar with any bodice rippers. No one was, you know... The game went fine. No one was, like, miserable. But no one was, like, having a blast at it. Like, I always do. No one was, like, doing silly accents. No one was uh, narrating the, like, preposterous things they were doing to get the Fairchilds to notice their daughters. And I was like, oh, huh, this game is solid. It is a solid mechanical game that everyone, I think, loves because it reminds them of other things that they love and lets you sort of enact 
these stories that people have great affection for. Kind of like I think, Sam, how you feel about Larkana. And if you don't have any affection for that world, I think the game is just solid. Like it doesn't mechanically produce delight and fun. It's delightful and fun that people bring to the game. So that's, I think, why this isn't an always hit for me in, in my experience, but I like it very much. Also, for any boys who like Bridgerton out there, I just, just want to follow up by saying I am the world's biggest Carly Rae Jepsen fan, so don't take any shit from me. Okay, so Obsession, Quicks, Race for the Galaxy, Rajas of the Ganges. Oh, Ooh. Rajas of the Ganges. That's such a, really, it's such an interesting, who, do we have the name of who put that in? Yeah, this was Nicola. Uh, Uboard Games. Nicola you and I need to be friends. Rogers of the Ganges is a phenomenal game. Worker placement with great combos, lots of fun, nice medium complexity. Yeah, that's right. Nice medium complexity. And it's a game where the theme carries it super well. Huh. I own it because, or, or sorry, I bought it because it has an Indian theme. I was curious. Oh, yeah. right. For people who can't see me right now, I come from an Indian background. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... I saw this, I'm like, you know, my parents might actually like this. Maybe this actually mm. uses the theme respectfully, and it does. Mm. So That's great to hear, actually. The complexity of this game is too much for my parents, mm. but the theme okay. pulls them through it. They mm. love this mm. game, and they can play it anytime, even though it's oh, too complex for them. Because the That's theme awesome. will just pull them through it. I love that. Sam, I, I am so glad to have a fellow person who cares about theme on the podcast. And, I don't not and... care about theme. <laughs> you are actively hostile to theme. No, I'm not. <laughs> I, I think that's exactly what theme does, is that it gets you through a game that would otherwise be no fun for you to learn. Um, when I was very new to the hobby, I learned Scythe and Spirit Island. I didn't know about Rodney then. I didn't know about videos. I just like muscled through the rule books for both of those. Both of those games have good rule books, but it was like a slog for me in both cases. But I was so interested in the worlds that I was like, whatever. And, and I was able to like jump to these much more complex games than I had been playing because the theme carried me through the learning process. See, I don't want to belabor the point, but this is exactly actually what you've totally nailed what my actual beef with theme is. It's not that I don't like themes. I actually think themes are great. And I'm when you were describing Rajas of of the Ganges and why it brought you and your family to the game, I actually really connected with that because there have been so many times where I've bought like, you know, like I bought Mexica because I was like, wow, this is cool. And it like is like Aztec themed and like, you know, it's just like was connected to me. It's like when you were talking about Aladdin and 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 your fondness for that IP and, and from what it meant to you later. It was like I, I've had that experience many times. The issue that I have is that I don't find that most games deliver upon a theme. And sometimes it doesn't bother me and it's fine and it's just like addressing or whatever. But when it bothers me is when it's sort of like supposed to either make the learning process better, more enriching or something. And then it is not there. And then it's sort of like, uh, well, this didn't do anything for me. And it was just a disappointment. And I just sort of feel like, well, then why even have a theme? I don't really care. Just show me like an abstract game. That's fine. Like Amritsar. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. I'm with you on all of that, actually. I think I am willing to do a certain amount of work to help the theme along. Yeah, me too. Like if it gives me enough to kind of like prompt my anime, my animation, my imagination, <laughs> I'll be like, I'll be like, oh, you're spending these because you're paying them for the car, the caravan that's going to get you through the desert, whatever. Mm-hmm. I will contribute to the theme if it gives me enough to go with. But if it like doesn't give you mm-hmm. anything, then it's like really frustrating, especially if it's a theme that you're fascinated by and then it just feels like a missed opportunity or at best or at worst you know Sam as I think you were kind of alluding to sometimes really disrespectful Mm -hmm. and so 
that's that's frustrating. So, yeah, interesting. Speak, speaking of theme, the next one, uh, so Rajas of the, of the Ganges, that was Nicola, and then um, Root is has been mentioned. I feel like interesting, I don't know, the theme yeah. I think attracts a, a lot of people. That's Slanders plays games. Yep. Says he's never had a bad game. I mean, this is certainly not something you can play with like all audiences, but it is hard not to like it if it's your kind of game. Talking about theme, like you were saying, totally one of these games that like very few of the people I know who like Root would ever play a what's called a coin game, like this kind of like um, counterinsurgency, asymmetric military game that it's based on. And because rather than being like Like soldiers or something, the Nazis versus whoever again. Yeah. It's like the cats versus the birds. Everyone's like this rules, you know, and it just, again, totally pulls this whole new group of people into a style of game, including me, by the way, into a style of game that otherwise would just be like not appealing. Yeah. I get that. Sea salt and paper, um, Spirit Island, also a very strong theme, I think. That would be an example to me of like a game that I felt like the theme really delivers and really locks in how you play the game. Mm-hmm. And that was Master Jeeves. Yeah. I have had Spirit Island not hit. Um, I was so happy, Alba, that when we taught it to you, you liked it because I've had it not hit before. And I think it's my fault that it didn't hit. And I think that the way to make Spirit Island hit is you have to let people lose their first game. <laughs> I play so much Kate and I play so much and, and people get, are confused and they ask you for help right I'm not, I'm not like a quarterback type I don't think I hope <laughs> but like people are like well what should I do here and Kate and I know what to do like we played a ton of Spirit Island we can like help you through and, and make you win but like then people are like well I don't feel like I ever figured out what I was doing mm. and so I think the way to teach Spirit Island is that you've got to like let people flounder a little bit and do some stuff wrong and have the island blight and be like Oh, geez, that was like so disheartening, but what a cool game. I want to fight off those colonists again and give it another shot and feel like they understand what they did wrong and like how thematic the game is. And I don't know. Yeah. And I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And you and Eli were very kind in, in uh, <laughs> a patient and let it, and just being like, I mean, on the one hand, we were like, what are we doing? Why won't they help us? But on the other hand, it's like, I, I think you're totally, what, you, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. And it definitely helped us understand, like, by failing what we were doing. And you guys were very patient because we mm. spent a lot of time just being looking at each other, being like, I don't know, what do I do? What do you do? What, do you, what should I do? <laughs> right. And anyway. then the only bummer then was that we didn't have enough time to just play it again after we lost and be like, true. Yeah, now yeah. let's kick ass. Yep. Oh, well. So Spirit Island, um, Teletum, Trails of Tucana, Tracarian, Valiant Wars, Verdant, and Wingspan. Yeah. That was Water Meeple. Yeah. I think, I mean, obviously Wingspan has brought so many people into the hobby. This one's hard to argue with. But I think there's like a couple things about it that people who don't play a ton of games have a lot of trouble with. For sure. The biggest one being that placing a bird doesn't activate the row that you place it into. Every single person I've ever taught the game to. Every time. Yeah. Every every time. time. Yeah. It confuses them. That is so confusing to people. And the fact that the play a bird row is so much smaller than the other rows. People will miss it all the time. So I just, I just feel like it could be a little bit easier to teach to new people as evidenced by that incredible video of Mindy Patinkin and his family trying to learn it, right? Have you guys seen that? <laughs> yeah. I oh, man. It's, it's incredible. If anyone listening has not seen it, look it up. It is just delightful. I will definitely go look that up. All right. And that's it. That's the list. Burr, 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 burr. Thank you, Rabble. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. So last question then is, are any of us going to try something new with our families in the near future, either for the holidays or just, you know, for whatever? Is there something we're going to see if it's an evergreen, if it's an always hit that we're going to try out? So 
just yesterday i got the fox experiment kickstarter in oh i'm so jealous which is elizabeth hargrave's next game yeah oh i was gonna ask you about that because i saw in your stories you're like i'm calling it here it's her next hit i think uh, i haven't played it yet i just read the rule book and it's pretty accessible it's got a lot of variety it's got cute foxes and it looks fun Mm. as hell i know for sure my family's gonna like it but I, I think it's got real potential to be a huge game that's just going to hit every time. I backed this too. I'm pretty sure. This is how I know I have a problem. I'm never quite sure if I backed a game. I'm pretty sure I backed Fox Experiment. So hopefully I have not gotten I can't believe I got mine first. I'm in Canada. We always get our stuff less. <laughs> that's shocking to me. <laughs> I'm so sick of your Canadian persecution comp. <laughs> <laughs> what was my life and my free health care? Yeah, I know. I know. All of that quality free at the point of service healthcare must be so hard for you i'm sorry i'm sorry you have to endure this oh but you got one i do have some new ones that i'm bringing home i don't know if they're going to be hits when you were talking about just one i had i had actually been looking at that and wondering if that was something i should bring home and instead i went with uh with so clover oh um, that's a good one too okay good so i i packed that one in the bag so to and speak. that's sort of the follow-up right like yeah. same company it's their sequel oh okay cool i think most people like just one more including myself but they're both really good games well well, you know, who says I can't have both? So I might have to go out and get just one as well. No. <laughs> you, sh- you should cut off. Don't listen to him. I own both. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, enabler. Uh, besides that, I also picked up like more of a, what I'm hoping would be more of a gateway type game. I don't know if this one's going to hit. This one I is a little bit of a gamble, but after us i picked up that how how gateway are we talking here (laughs) uh put the key in the door (laughs) like have they played board games before would this be like yeah they played yeah we played wingspan oh yeah they're fine then okay okay yeah, I'm thinking about two. I'm thinking about Heat, which would not be a for everyone. That would be like for my siblings, I think. I'm not going to get my mom to play Heat. <laughs> Sam, I think you and I have talked about this. The problem with Heat is that the theme is not going to be appealing to them as it was not particularly appealing to me. Or me. Like when I heard everyone talking about this this like Formula One game. Yeah, right? Like, do I have to be interested in this game? But this is the first time I've ever been interested in race cars. It's It's so fun. The other one, I'm thinking about something I can play with my nephews who are who are little. I'm thinking about Jamaica. I haven't played it, and the reason I haven't played it and I haven't tried it with him yet is because it just just looking at the box, I'm like, is this game gonna be a thing I don't want to show to my nephews? <laughs> like, is it gonna be Bravo? Um, <laughs> but that's one that I think sounds like a pretty simple, straightforward racing game, and I think that you know my my little dudes would be pretty excited about firing cannons at each other's ships and stuff. Yeah, it's pretty simple. The combat is dead simple. You roll one die. And okay. it's fun because it's a race and <laughs> because you're not always the one rolling the dice, you just like give people crap for like their bad rolls. Like, I don't want to move one space this turn. What am I going to do with this? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> it's simple and it's it's quite fun. That's a phenomenon I know from Dungeons and Dragons when like you need someone in the party to like pull their weight and they roll bad and everyone's like, why did you roll bad? Like as though you have any control over it. <laughs> Exactly. Or, or like you roll well and people are like, I'm so impressed. And you're like, I didn't do anything. I just, the dice just came up good. Why are you wasting your good rolls on this? <laughs> all right. Well, we hope that you're all going to have a nice time with your families in the coming weeks, whether you're gaming or not, whether you're celebrating a winter holiday or just celebrating takeout and movies. 
thank you, Sam, so much for joining us. This was so yes, much fun. Thank you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Thank you so much for bringing me on. I would love to come back, not just to roast you guys, but just to talk. <laughs> it's fun. <laughs> we would love to have you come back both just to hang out and to be roasted. Definitely. <laughs> you have anything you want to plug? Where can people find you? Um, if you want to follow me on Instagram, my handle is Sam the Kuma. I post about my dog and about board games and that's about it if you like those kinds is, of things it is so good come and hang out <laughs> it's a great account stop me if this is wrong but don't be scared by the fact that his account is private I'll let you in as long as you're not a total nutbag this is true it, I will approve the follow it's private because I work for the government and there'd be crazies out there <laughs> if you like board games you're okay in my book come on in you work for the Canadian government which probably means you have both Canadian and American crazies giving you a hard time oh yeah whenever someone calls from the states it's like why why are you here. We don't want anyone to have health care. <laughs> it's not enough that we don't have it. <laughs> Alva is, of course, Meeples and Beninis. I am Punchboard Cathedral. You know where to find us. We're on Instagram. We'll talk to you soon. And until then, ramble on. You know we will. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye, guys. Bye. -bye.